0: And then breathed his last. Now, at this very moment of Jesus giving up his spirit and physically dying, physically tasting death, these are the things that are reported in the Gospels about what happens right at this time. First of all, it said that darkness covered the earth from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock. Now, Jesus was hung on the cross at 9 in the morning. And then at 3 o'clock is when he died. So he was there for six hours. And at the time of his death, his actual death, the Bible talks about the earth shaking, rocks splitting, tombs opening, dead people being raised. It's like all creation is reacting to the death of the Son of God. The death of the one who is life itself. And the Bible says that Jesus, in Colossians, it says, He is before all things. In Him all things were created. And in Him all things hold together. So when the Son of God breathes His last, creation reacts violently. Perhaps somewhat like a big power grid failure and the whole town goes dark. That's kind of what I think of when I think of what happened when Jesus actually expired. And also at this time, the centurion who's overseeing this execution, he's the one who's in charge of the whole thing, he is quoted as saying, surely this was a righteous man. He's also quoted as saying in the other Gospels, surely this man was the Son of God." In essence, this non-follower of Jesus in charge of putting him to death is basically saying this man was innocent. This man was who he said he was. He was truly the one who he claimed to be. And the crowd who before was so energized Hurling insults, mocking, daring Jesus to come down off the thing. If you're the king, come down off of that cross. And it's almost as if they had been worked up into a frenzy of hatred toward this deceiver. This one that they said was deceiving people. And now when it's all done, and Jesus is dead, and things have all dying down, they just sort of melt Into the sorrowful silence and bewilderment. It says they beat their breasts. It's a sign of anguish. And I'm thinking, they're like, as everything dies down and all the, the fervor is gone now, it's like, what did we just witness here? What actually happened? And then they just somberly and quietly disperse. And then we have the heroic act of Joseph of Arimathea. A member of the Jewish high court, the Sanhedrin. But it it says that he he was an honest and upright man. I think they had to say that because of the rest of the Sanhedrin. And he says his sights were set on the coming kingdom of God. So his view was... When God would come down and he would reign over the earth, he did not consent to the religious leader's plot to destroy and kill Jesus. And in a move of righteous boldness, I think this Joseph was uh, quite a guy. He requested that he could take the body of Jesus and care for it. And then he placed him in the tomb that had never been used, his own tomb. And he honored and reverenced Jesus by the way he took care of his lifeless body. So at this point, how would we describe the mood and the atmosphere and all that's going on here? How would we describe this scene after everyone witnessing this horrific treatment? Of this man who never asked anybody for anything, but yet was willing to give everything. What was that mindset there? And what about Jesus' disciples? Not only would they be hurt and sorrowful and maybe depressed, but now would they be hunted down to make certain that no remnant of this Jesus movement was still around? That would be the likely thing. Well, we're going to be looking at what Jesus' followers do after their required Sabbath rest. And we're going to be looking at a theme that repeats itself through this passage of Scripture. And it's a theme that we might not automatically think of right away, but one that can be useful for us, our faith, and for when we talk to others. And we're going to be talking about the first unbelievers. But I want you to follow with me as I read Luke 24, in verses 1 through 8. It says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. <clears throat> in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Now, what did the women expect to find at that tomb? Well, pretty obviously, they expected to find the dead body of Jesus. And these women, they came out in love and devotion. They followed Jesus. They truly did love him. They wanted to treat him properly, anointing his body with perfumes and oils and spices. I mean, they were committing, they were expending themselves in an act of very great reverence and respect. But, you know, instead of the angels saying, That is so thoughtful of you women. That's so respectful and honoring. They said, Why did you come to a tomb to look for someone who isn't dead? He isn't here. He's risen, just like he said. Remember what he told you in Galilee? The angels are quoting Jesus. We already read it, but here it is. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners. He said this a number of times. Be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Then they remembered his words. Jesus had told them plainly, right? Yet they came to the tomb looking for a dead body. Now, right off the bat, I'm I'm saying, I'm not saying that I would have done any better. You know, when you watch somebody get pounded to death and the breath squeezed out of them and then laid in a tomb, hanging on a cross, dead, I can fully sympathize with these godly women who watched in horror as the one that they loved had his life squeezed out of him. But... What I'm doing here <clears throat> is I'm bringing out the message that Luke is, is bringing out because it's a pretty consistent message through this passage, and it's an important theme. Now, these women, to their credit, you know, even though <clears throat> the angel said, Why are you looking for a live person in a place where dead people are? To their credit, now they get it. Now they understand. So watch what they do in these next verses, 9 through 12. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and others with, the others with them who told this to the apostles. <clears throat> but the apostles, they did not believe the women... Because their words seemed to them like nonsense. You know, if you're looking at it just from a human perspective, it seems like nonsense, doesn't it? Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. The men did not believe the women. How many times has that got us in trouble? (laughs) And in fact, when the women told the men that Jesus had risen, just like he said he would, they did not just not believe it. They thought it sounded like nonsense. And then when Peter goes to see for himself, he sees the linen, he's heard the the story from the women, he sees the linen and says he goes away bewildered. What's going on here? He can't put it together. Even though I'm sure that when the women went back and talked to the men after they had seen the tomb and the angels, I'm sure they repeated what the angels said to them. You can't imagine they wouldn't do that. How, he, how they said, you know, the Son of Man must suffer and die and after three days rise again. Even then, to them it sounded like nonsense. the first unbelievers are skeptics against the Christian message. It isn't really the enemies of Jesus, is it? At least not the first ones mentioned. It's his faithful followers. The women looking for Jesus among the dead and the men thinking that the gospel message sounded like nonsense. And then Luke talks about these two disciples who are traveling from Jerusalem where they all were meeting, and they go back to, their, or, well, go back to Emmaus. And this is still the first day of the week. This is still Easter Sunday. <clears throat> now I'm going to kind of talk through this passage. It's kind of long. But we have two followers of Jesus going from Jerusalem to Emmaus, which is about seven miles They're discussing this whole matter of everything that's been going on that morning, you know, and plus everything that's been going on that weekend, you know, the death of Jesus, everything they've been hearing too. Then Jesus walks up to them, as you know, the the two on the road to Emmaus, he walks up to them, but they don't know who he is. He's hid himself from them as far as them understanding, recognizing who he is. And he asks them, what were you two discussing as you were walking along the road? And they're looking at him like, are you the only person in the world who doesn't know what happened here? And they start telling him all that has happened. And, but they're thinking, how could you not know? So they're talking to him, and they're talking about Jesus, this powerful prophet who performed miracles who helped everyone, who taught the things of God. He was handed over by the chief priests to be executed. And they say, and then now we've heard from these ladies that he's not in the tomb, that he has risen. They, They said by some angels that he has risen. And so they're telling Jesus all this. They're saying, and we've heard all this, and now we don't know what to think. But, here's here's their summary statement. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. So, it seems a little ironic to me. That the way these two disciples are telling Jesus their story. What were you guys talking about? And they start telling the story. It sounds like they are repeating the same things that Jesus had told them before he died. So as they describe the story, it sounds like it's coming out exactly like the way Jesus told them it would happen. But then they say, but we had hoped. (laughs) They're, They're actually telling him the good news of the gospel but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel and what is more it's the third day since all this took place and Jesus said is this too bothersome the the static or anything okay I'm hearing static but (coughs) could just be me (laughs) Uh, so they're, they're repeating the very words yet they're saying but see so in verse 21 he said to them how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken that's verse 25 It just wasn't clicking, was it? Now, again, I'm not saying that I would have done any better. But I believe it shows how spiritually dull we can be. And how much we will leave the scriptures and just judge by what we see. When the scriptures say to lean into the scriptures and not walk by sight. But now, verses 25 through 27 how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. You know, Jesus' main disappointment with them was that they're not falling back on the scriptures for what is true. They're just going by what they see. And what they saw was very, very horrible. But what he does is he takes them back to the Scriptures. And he shows them that the Scriptures had prophesied this. And that's what he had told them before. And he had told them before from the Scriptures what was going to happen. So that is what we have to cling to, isn't it? Even if our senses tell us that it can't happen... Or to trust something else. We just have to cling to the scriptures. And it came out to be exactly true. Didn't it? According to the scriptures. And so when Jesus you know, corrected them. And showed them how it was going to happen. He went back to the scriptures. And it came out exactly true. And then they asked him. They come to their place at Emmaus. <clears throat> Jesus acts like he's going to keep going. They just beg him to come and eat with them. And then as he took the bread, he gave thanks to God. He broke the bread. And when they saw him do that, boom, the lights came on. They knew it was Jesus. And as soon as they recognized it, he disappeared. Because you see, he had a schedule to keep. And they said, weren't our hearts burning when he explained the scriptures to us? Everything goes back to the scriptures, doesn't it? And they immediately got up and they went back to Jerusalem. You know, a seven-mile trip. They were there, they ate, boom, they're running back. So they get back to Jerusalem. They find the the 11 and, and the others with them. And they're talking about Jesus' sightings. And there's excitement in the air. And hope is beginning to rise. Several had seen Jesus. And as they were telling their stories something amazing and unexpected happened. While they were still talking, verse 36, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, and what he's talking about there is, you know there's one way not to believe when you say, that'll never happen. And there's way, another way not to believe it's too good to be true. And this is what he's talking about. Because of joy and amazement, they just couldn't, couldn't believe it. So he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, and here it is again, this is what I told you while I was still with you everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And he's talking about the scriptures. And that's how they just divided it up. It was one way they did. So they are excitedly sharing their stories. And literally, and I mean literally, Jesus is standing right among them. His first words to them Peace be with you. And their first words were, Whoa, who said that? Just kidding. I just put that in there. It says they were startled and frightened. They thought he was a ghost. They thought he was a spirit. And I suppose if you thought someone's spirit just appeared in your midst without warning, I suppose we wouldn't feel such a sense of peace would we but you know when Jesus says peace be with you he's referring really to a different kind of peace coming from a different source Jesus has just conquered death the last and greatest uh, enemy of mankind Jesus has fully fully experienced the fullness Of death's strength and wickedness by being beaten, by being mocked when Satan had his heyday on the Son of God. And Jesus took on the enemy of mankind and he overcame. And he went through the whole experience of suffering, bleeding, dying, and being buried. So now we can have true peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can know that we are fully forgiven. Anyone who is connected with Christ, who has come to Christ and placed their faith totally in Him. We can know that we have also in Christ conquered death. But you have to be in Christ. And it's not that we won't ever face hard times. It's not that we will never be disappointed or avoid all suffering or loss or mistreatment. In fact, Jesus says we will have hard times, we will suffer, we will face loss. But he has attained for us the ultimate peace with God through his suffering and death and resurrection. And as long as our faith is truly in Jesus as our Savior, And in his work on the cross for our forgiveness, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But now back to the frightened disciples who think Jesus is a ghost. He has them touch his body. He says, A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones. But they're too ecstatic, they're too excited to even kind of, you know, process that. It's too good to be true. They saw him suffer and die. They had given up all hope. So he he takes the next step. He says, do you have any food? And he eats some food right before them. And then he says this. This is what I told you while I was still with you. In verse 44, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. He just keeps coming back to trusting the Bible, doesn't he? He just keeps coming back to what do the Scriptures say? And not that it will all be easy. In fact, he assures us it won't. But Jesus goes back to trusting the Scriptures. And then we look at our last verses, 45 through 49. 49. And again, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Now just think of what Jesus, what he said in those verses. He said that the scripture said the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And you know he had said that several times before as they were coming near to the death of Christ. But they, they just couldn't understand it. They just couldn't put it together with what they knew, what they saw, what they were living with. They just couldn't imagine that being a part of the plan. They couldn't. Like so many times, we're thinking of the way God is going to work out things. And we can't really make the connection from where we are and what we see to what the Bible says. But that's because God has another way of doing it that we don't know. It's not not within our framework, our thinking. And so, Jesus continually goes back to trust the scriptures. Trust the scriptures. Trust the scriptures. He goes on to say that repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. He says, you are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. Now here again, he's leaving them with a tall order. In the past, he left them with the message that he would be handed over, crucified, and rise again. And that was hard to understand. Now he's given them more hard things to understand. He's saying, I'm going to send the power from on high, and you're going to take that message to every nation. And can you imagine back in those times being told, you're going to take a certain message out to every nation. And so again, it takes faith, doesn't it? And we've seen the message go out to every nation, haven't we? But back then, how could they even think of that, understand that? Well, you've got to trust the Scriptures, don't you? Even though they may have seen God deliver on His promises in amazing ways, in ways they could have never dreamed up, You know, Christ going to the cross, being beaten, looked like totally defeated, but yet he gained the greatest victory. Ways that, in ways that anybody would have had a hard time watching, following, believing that this is leading to victory. Still, Jesus' answer was, trust the scriptures. Trust the scriptures. And then when he talked to the two disciples, How foolish and how slow you are to believe all that the prophets have said. And that is still the answer for us today, isn't it? You know, my question, who were the first unbelievers against the gospel message? It was his followers, wasn't it? Step by step, they just couldn't believe it. Until they saw it happen. And then it it all made sense. But from where they were to where they were going, they didn't see a pathway. And that's the way it is so many times. And you know, recently, we have been noticing popular Christian leaders, pastors, authors, musicians. That people had followed and had learned from and had gained in the Christian faith from. And they say, I don't believe it anymore. Because they've seen something that doesn't look like what they think God should do. They've seen suffering and they're thinking, why does God allow that? They see things, but you see there's so much that we don't know. God is infinite. And every characteristic of Him is infinite. His wisdom, His love. We don't, we don't understand how horrible sin is. And what it takes. To, to, to just, you know, stomp sin down forever. And God did it through a whole history of the world. And then finally, when his son comes down and takes that final punishment. So, people in these days have just walked away when something doesn't look the way they think it should look or when they've suffered mistreatment, or great loss, or disillusionment, or great disappointment, or a failed marriage, or a bankruptcy. They say, well, God wasn't there for me when I needed him. So they walk away. But you know, we can't walk away. We have to trust the scriptures. No matter what our eyes see, no matter how hurt something is, hurtful something is no matter how difficult things become we have to trust the scriptures we have to remember that first Easter morning when Jesus most faithful followers thought it was all over after having spent three years with him the first unbelievers in the Bible the ones who knew him the best they saw him die They saw his dead body placed in the tomb. But the scriptures still come true, even against impossible odds, because God can do anything. And he can arrange it in ways that we just have no clue that's going to come out good in that way. So, we end with verse 44. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. The scriptures. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this glorious day that we remember by gathering together, by looking to you, by thanking you, by putting our trust in you. And we pray that this day will have a lasting effect on us. And Lord, we pray that we will always trust the scriptures. They always come true. And Lord, even though things look so bad on the outside, and things look like they're going in such a horrible direction, at times in our lives, in our nation, in, in the world, whatever, Lord, we pray that you would help us to just keep our eyes on you and on the scriptures and walk by faith and not by sight. We pray all this and give you praise for all that you have done and what this day means in Jesus' name. Amen.